Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Jeff Sire, and with me today is Julie Keel. Hello. And Mike McPeak. Hello, everyone. Well, welcome to Christmas of, you know, holiday season of 2013 and the pandemonium this has wreaked on our lives. <laughs> so uh, we have been way off our recording schedule, and now it's primarily, I will take primarily my... Uh, uh, issues that I've had going on with uh, illnesses in our house and everything that's uh, been going on. So and Mother Nature uh, has been nasty to all of us. I think. Yeah, yeah. You guys have been hit really hard. In the well, you Midwest. had a nice storm. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't lose our power for too much. We only lost, uh, I think, maybe total of about twelve hours off and on a few times. Still, this time but, of year, yeah. that's something. Yeah, and we don't like. We're close to Toronto, so we don't lose power that often. But Toronto actually probably got hit harder than we did so well anyways so just as kind of like a uh, uh to get ourselves back on track we talked about this uh, off and on for a while we're just going to do a favorites episode each of us has kind of thrown together a uh, a short list of uh our favorite sci-fi properties and we're just going to discuss uh what they are uh, a few of them and uh and our reasons for for them so i'm going to start off and I guess we're not going to uh, go up to a uh, crescendo of uh, you know people waiting in anticipation for our number one. So I'm just going to start off with my number one. Um, that's the the Alien franchise, uh, the whole series. Uh, I was a little bit too young to see the initial the original Alien movie in the theater. So my, the first kind of in uh, experience I had with it was to see the movie Aliens in the theater. And pretty much from the moment I saw it, that's probably been my favorite sci-fi thing. And, and one of the reasons why I like it is I see it as a very um, – they've created a very believable, to me anyways, a believable universe. It's not a wash and uh, – not that there's anything wrong with things like this, but they're, it's not like Star Wars where they have the Force or any mystical sort of uh, stuff. It's very based in kind of a solid uh, – a solid, believable world. Like as, like the first movie, you have space truckers. The second one, you have uh, kind of like a, a, a soldiers in space sort of theme. And uh, behind it all, you have uh, evil corporations. Uh, and it's a kind of a projected future where you could actually see a, a future where we have corporations as the driving force behind everything. And uh, Boy, does that sound familiar. Straight, yeah, well, straight out of the headlines. Yeah, they... They draw in a lot of stuff, and uh, and you have uh, androids that are are working right alongside people, and uh, there's there's a lot there that I like. The uh, third and fourth movies in the series, and then when they get into the ones with the predators and all that, they they kind of uh, I think maybe lose their way a bit. Uh, but I I saw Prometheus, uh, I guess it was last summer or two summers ago now, and that was again. Like that just reminded me of the reasons why I like this series so much, and one of the main reasons is it doesn't it doesn't answer your questions. Like the big thing when Prometheus was coming, a lot of people, other people that I knew that really liked the 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 series, they were all excited. Like, oh, this is finally going to answer que- uh, the questions that you had. Like, who's the space jockey and all these other things, and it, all it did was just raise more questions. You know, like. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I like about it because it, it leaves – I like things that leave it to you to kind of decide for yourself what's going on. Um, what do you guys think of uh, of the Alien franchise? Well, because uh, we watched it for uh, uh, our podcast a, a while ago and I, was, I liked the first one because you know they didn't put the monster out there right away. It wasn't until you got to what near the end of the movie that they actually brought it out. So they built the suspense by not you know having a special effects uh, you know a creature out there. They, they gave it that kind of slow burn and they built it up. And you know, I like a story like that. Well, and just for like kind of a, a movie franchise, I think you'd be hard pressed to find another movie franchise where they changed genres within the franchise. Like James Bond movies, they're all spy movies. The Godfather movies are all, you know, organized crime movies. Yeah. Whereas this one, you know, it starts out being a horror movie in the first one, and then the second one's like an action movie, and, you know, they, they kind of change, like radically change within the, uh, within the franchise. And I, I think that's kind of unique. 
Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess I'll go on to my second one. And uh, these aren't necessarily in any order after the first. Like Alien, I would place as my my uh, kind of very closest to my heart. Uh, Star Trek would be my number two. And uh, for a lot of the same reasons, like uh, I think Star Trek is uh, is almost more socially important than it is as, as science fiction. Like sci- uh, Star Trek showed that uh, you could do science fiction on TV and it didn't have to be campy. And you could, and and they also showed to uh, the general public that you could say important and tell important social stories within a science fiction uh, framework. Like I think uh, Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov, uh, Robert Heinlein, they'd been telling uh, important social stories up to that, uh, you know, before Star Trek came out, like in the fifties and sixties. But I don't think they'd reached a wider audience like Star Trek did. And uh, I, I think it would be hard to underestimate the impact that Star Trek has had on uh, particularly our science community. I saw a, a presentation Neil deGrasse Tyson made. He was speaking at a, a dinner, I think it was NASA astronauts and engineers, and he was, he, he, he was making the point about how, it, how important it is that we don't go to unmanned missions only because he was saying like, there's a big attraction to that because they're cheaper and you can do more. But he brought up the thing. He goes, every single person in this room got into the space industry because they watched Star Trek as a child. And like, that's, that's a big, big deal, man. You know, Star Trek, Star Trek's a big, important deal <laughs> in, in the in, in, uh, okay it's on my list too. figure that huh yeah. <laughs> um but i i remember hearing one time um it, it's not just important to sci-fi it's not even just important to america i i honestly believe that star trek is important to humankind because yeah. um at one point uh what i'd heard was that on the face of the planet and i don't remember what ginormous percentage of people it was like 85 percent of the people on the planet understand what beam me up scotty means you know (laughs) even if they don't haven't even seen an episode they still know what you know beam me up scotty means and and, and other phrases that you might hear from um, star trek so the the impact on humankind it's not even society it's bigger than that because it's many societies um it's just like you say it can't be underestimated it can't be overstated either i don't think no and you know i'll make it a trifecta because uh star trek was on my list too and you know what i always look back to is the time that it was produced it was the 60s things were changing um you know you were starting to get uh you know hippies you had the vietnam war going on you had a lot of people questioning things you had the um the race uh, uh issues being brought up there was a lot of turmoil going on and star trek was a good way to examine a lot of this stuff without actually talking about the issues themselves but you talked about things that were similar to these issues which made it easier for people to talk about them to comment to have ideas because you know once you start talking about you know religion or race you know, in the context that we experience you're going to hit hot button issues but when you talk about uh, and I can't remember the name of the ep- episode but you had the two guys that were black and white but on opposite yeah. sides mirror mirror yeah, yeah. Um, the, the and and what they were able to do um, is talk about things that you wouldn't have been other, able to talk about in any other format. You know, let's just talk about the first interracial kiss. I mean, everybody, you know, you can argue whether it counts or not because, you know, they were forced to do it. It doesn't matter. It did happen. And I, I, there's details. I understand there may have been other interracial kisses around then or before then possibly even. But um, it was able to do that kind of stuff. Where, you know, if you'd have done that on, I don't know, I Dream of G, what else was on TV at that time? I, you know, whatever. Um, you, you could not have done it. Absolutely could not have done it. So Star Trek allowed them that, yeah. uh, sci-fi in general, you know, allows you to explore stuff like that. That Star Trek does, like, really stands out like a sore thumb in that whole kind of, that era of television. Because, like, they, not that the other stuff like Bonanza and other things that were on at that time, not that they were bad, but like you can really see that not in every single episode, but Star Trek was really aspiring to something bigger than, and like something socially significant. 
and trying to make a statement. And that really is, you didn't see that much. And uh, like, it's not like I Dream of Jeannie was saying, oh, you know, like, uh, we should be nice to people who aren't white or <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like could we that, have possibly have even, you know, put an Arab person in as the genie? No. Yeah. Uh, had to be a blonde, blue-eyed girl, you know. So, um, yeah, it, uh, Star Trek, you know, again, I, everybody knows by now I'm a huge fan, but it, and I think one of the reasons for that is it, is it, it, to me, it just stands alone. It just, there's very few things that have as much staying power. And, and if you go back and watch some of the original series, Star Trek, they don't have staying power. They're horrible. They're campy. <laughs> they're, they're disgustingly bad and acting and props and staging. I mean, they're horrible. But the concept, the idea, yeah, the, yeah. The, the everything about it, the universe, the Star Trek universe, I expect we'll still be talking about Star Trek in one shape or form, you know, for another hundreds of years. I mean, honestly, wh- why would it die out? I can't imagine. Yeah. Well, and you know, this show, you know, we we try to focus on the tech part of science fiction, and you know, I think Star Trek came along when technology as a whole was starting to pick up. They were starting to do new things, and then they showed us all these things that you know that could be possible. I think it spurred you know a lot yeah. of people's imagination to come up with things um, to spur the inventors. Because what did the first you know? Uh, flip phone look like it looked like a star trek you know uh, yeah. communicator oh no i told you that story it did not they did it uh, wrong remember yeah it flipped down it flipped down and, the, and they couldn't figure out why they weren't selling and they finally you know showed it to an engineer and said duh it doesn't work right you have to flip it up and then you had the motorola star i think it was and boom they took off like you know hotcakes so yeah it, it's my, my only fear about star trek is that most of the technologies that were in star trek that were portrayed as being 400 years in the future we have made happen <laughs> uh, almost i mean sorry but 3d print printers are as close to a replicator as you're going to get you know the only the few things that are missing left is warp speed and transporters but almost everything else is you know in progress at least um and even those are in progress but um I don't know who's dreaming up the next technologies right now. I mean, I see, to some extent, the fulfillment of at least the technology part of of Star Trek. If not the, you know, we've got a long ways to go on the social parts of it. But um, who's inventing that now? I mean, who's who's dreaming up the next hundred years or fifty years of technology? Who's who's uh, inciting young children now to take up science and engineering to to build the next, you know, Star Trek? thing they saw to make real yeah. well there's still uh, <laughs> maybe some of the rest on our uh, oh on our we list. have more on the list oh sorry this isn't the Star Trek episode <laughs> never mind so the next one that I have is Star Wars and before I, I go too much into Star Wars I want to ask you guys because like I always get this from friends of mine who are not you know might, might like sci-fi stuff but they're not huge fans and that they always seem to have this perceived thing that there's this kind of hatred between fans of Star Trek and fans of uh, Star Wars. And you even had it like in that uh, – uh, what was the movie? It took them forever to make it. It was the guys who uh, – they want, the episode one is coming out and they, they're driving their friend across to Skywalker Ranch so they could break in and show them – this uh, the version of The Phantom Menace before it comes out. I know. Yeah, the guy was dying you know, the of one, cancer. I do know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. And 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 they talk about that this whole conflict between Star Wars and Star Trek fans. Do you guys ever see that? Like, no, never, (laughs) ever. I mean, (laughs) you have people that may like one or the other, but I don't see any intense, you know, uh, aggravation between each other. To me, they're not even. I mean, you. It's kind of like the Ford Chevy thing, and and in Ford Chevy, you really can. I mean, there's a legitimate rivalry there. Star Trek and Star Wars, it's like comparing, I was going to say, you know, the classic is apples and oranges, but, you know, it's more like, you know, do you like, it's like a band, one band versus another band. It's, you know, just because you like one type of music doesn't mean you want to listen to it all the time, and that's the only way that you can, you know, talk about music. Like you said with the Ford and Chevy thing, like, you only have a limited amount of resources. Like, you can only, you're not going to buy two pickup trucks. One Ford, one Chevy. You're not going to have both, so you have to make a decision because you only have so much money of which you're going to buy, and you're going to, you know, invest a certain amount of yourself into saying, to confirming with yourself, yes, I made the right decision because this is the better truck. But 
we're, we're, you don't have like there's no reason why you can't have a DVD of Star Wars and a DVD of like the Star Trek original series or something like that. Like I it just liking one doesn't preclude liking the other. I just right yeah. Uh, I don't and I I don't know. I personally don't know anybody that just takes this firm stand that like. I'm Dad, gummit, I'm a Star Trek man, and I'll have no parlor with this. Star well, you Wars. know, you know who's the most fun has the most fun with that is William Shatner and um, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Oh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's as far as the Star Trek Star Wars rivalry goes. Those two, if you ever watch them on Twitter or anywhere, um, they they have fun bantering back and forth about it. But it that it's totally banter. Yeah. So. So to go back to Star Wars, I I think uh, to me, like I said with Aliens, it's it's not that I don't like the whole idea of the Force or the whole mystical side of thing, uh, but to me those are two very different kind of genres of sci-fi. In that, in Star Wars, to me is like uh, like a fantasy extension of sci-fi. Right. Uh, I think it's fun. It's it it. it but I, when I look at uh, Star Wars, I'm not seeing what I perceive as a possible future for us, right? It's it's complete escapism to me, and it's fun. A long, and, long uh, time ago in a galaxy yeah. far, far away. I mean, yeah, it, and, and like, the, yeah, don't fairy get me wrong, tale right there. Yeah, I don't think they're trying to portray themselves yeah. as, as that or anything. Speaking of which, did you see that uh, tweet um, that went out, Sci-Fi Tech Talk tweet, about how they filmed the opening scroll? No. Yeah. Uh, Oh, basically, they had a camera on a on rails, and a big. It looked like a glass plate, of I don't know, maybe ten, twelve feet long, that they basically started at the top and then pulled that camera back to because they didn't have computers. I mean, right. you yeah. didn't. The technology of Star Wars is rather interesting actually the filming of it so they didn't have you know we just i could sit here and produce uh better quality stuff you know similar to the star wars movie on my laptop than they could do back in the 70s when it was first filmed so yeah it was a picture of uh basically the 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 film this poster thing on the ground and this camera on rails being pulled back to for that opening scroll uh scroll of uh the the text that's funny. I, I had never heard that. Well, that's um, it's not sci-fi. Well, I guess it is sort of. But uh, I saw a thing where they were talking about Jurassic Park, where they first uh, the scene where they first show you the T Rex. Yes. And, you know they're they're Flocking. in the car and they have the uh, the water with the ripples in it. And I guess Spielberg told the special effects guys like, I just want to see these perfect kind of concentric ripples w- when this thing's walking. And I guess they tried like everything that they could think of. Like they would hit the car and they'd bump it and they'd shake the whole platform was on and it would just the water would just slosh from one side to another. So what they ended up doing was they hooked an electric guitar up to the frame of the car. So they had the whole and they picked a, a particular chord and that had the uh, it, when it resonated through the whole frame. That's what made the uh, really circles. Yeah, that's how they did it. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was very very Too cool. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. So I don't really have anything more to say about uh, Star Wars. I think uh, it's just it's it's fun escapism and uh, and it's really kind of like the sci-fi version of the uh, prince and princess. The you know the prince saving the princess. It's and, a yeah. It's a it's a fairy tale fantasy t- type yeah. of thing set in some sort of space. Um, you know, well, it, 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 it's straightforward too. You got the good side. You got the bad side. There's no you know murkiness. There's no ambiguity. You know who's good. You know who's bad. And you root for the. Oh you know. no, you don't. You never. You know Anakin, and you know turns into Vader, and then he turns well, yeah, good yeah, again. Yeah. So no, it's you like, don't like, know. Just ignore those movies. Yeah. <laughs> but like for Star Wars, the first, you know, the well, Episode Four, um, like it's so basic in its storytelling like the bad guy is all in black well, the good guy yeah. is all in white it's know? basically opera i mean it, it's, yeah. it's 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 greek yeah. theater i mean it truly the 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 storylines in in star wars go back to ancient theater i mean the 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 father son business the prince you know just everything it's epic theater well you see when you say star wars i start at Episode four, you know the other, the first three, yeah, yeah, I'll watch them. You know, you get the backstory, but I mean, for me, Star Wars starts at four, um, 
And so, yeah, like you say, when you first, uh, if you go for, through the first three, there is that ambiguity about, you know, what's going to happen, who's he, well, you kind of know who he's going to become. But, yeah, you, you do see that there. But once you get into the last three episodes, yeah, you, Darth Vader is bad. Luke no, Skywalker not. See, they redeem him at the end. He goes from bad to yeah. good. See, well, look, I know for people like us that started with four, five, six, and then went, you know, then had this long break, and then see one, two, and three. Like, I, I think we have a very different perception because we look at it as like it's you know the story of Luke Skywalker, and then it's the backstory of how Luke, Luke Skywalker. Skywalker came to be. Right. Whereas if you are a kid growing up today and you start watching episode one, two, three, four, five, six, that story arc is very different watched in that perspective, and it really becomes kind of like this redemption story of. Because, um, like, yeah. the whole thing about, well, there will be somebody who will bring unity to the Force. Yep. Well, that's really Darth Vader. Yep. Right? It is. He's, he's the one that kills the Emperor, yep. right? And, so. and without Darth Vader, without Anakin turning into Darth Vader, you wouldn't have Luke. You know, yeah. so, yeah, it's... Uh, anyway. Yeah. No? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, next on my list is... Which reminds uh, me, we haven't done Star Wars for a show. Darn, we got to get yeah. that on the list, because obviously that's we could true. go on for an hour on that one. Yeah, I'm sure, for tech-wise, I'm sure we could have a long conversation about... Uh, Pod racers. Uh, well, about uh, <laughs> lightsabers. So, But uh, one of the things that... Uh, well, I, I would say it's been the... Uh, best thing that the podcast has brought me to that I didn't have any experience with before was Rendezvous with Rama and I would <laughs> tell anybody again if you haven't read this you are missing out like I I can't say how much I like that uh, and, and I think one of the things that I like the most is you know us as human beings we're so self-important and we're so you know like Oh, it's all us, 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 and what are we going to do? And we're going to manage this, and we're going to do that. And that book really kind of puts a puts a fine point on, like, no, you're insignificant. You're so insignificant that the, you know this this ship that travels through doesn't even know you're there. You, you know, know okay, and, yeah. Interesting. Well, Hitchhiker's uh, Guy of the Galaxy would be like that too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, oh. let, let's see, uh, Jeff. You just had me add one more thing to my to-do list because I was going to say I I'm busy scoping out the iTunes library, going download, <laughs> buy book, get sample. Yep, there. Oh. Yep. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and it's just like it, it's Arthur C. Clarke. You, you you know you really can't go wrong there. And I haven't read any of the follow-up uh, books yet, but uh, yeah, and, and I, I kind of it's one of those things that. I, I, when you when when I finished it, I kind of like, oh, why haven't they made a movie of this? And then it was like, I'm glad they haven't made a movie of this because <laughs> like I don't want to. I, I I like the image that I developed in my own mind about the story. I like it so right. much that I don't want it spoiled by somebody else's view that might not match mine. You know? Um, yeah, it's just it's it's just it was a great story on so many levels. Like they. They get there, and like for most of the book, the whole thing is like, well, what are these people have, that have sent the ship? What are they trying to say to us? What's their messages? Like, what are we supposed to take from this? And then in the end, it's like, oh, yeah, they don't even know we're here. Like, we, it was just like a coincidence that this thing happened to come into our solar system, and you know, it's just like it, it, it's that whole. Uh, I, I, this was an Arthur C. Arthur C. Clarke thing, but the uh, the whole thing that a sufficiently advanced. Civilization technology, is technology in, would appear as in, magic. Is indistinguishable to, from magic, yeah. Yeah. And it just, like, they were so far beyond us that we couldn't really fathom how any of the stuff worked. And then, uh, but we still thought, well, this is, they're coming to see us. And, like, it, that, one of the things that made me think of, like, you, all these people of, like, well, you know, aliens who are, you know, who, who believe that aliens are visiting the Earth and, you know, crashes in Roswell, New Mexico. And it really kind of the point of that book to me is like, why would they bother? Yeah, like, we're really not even worth looking at yet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I gotta mention one of mine at this point too, and I'm gonna try desperately hard not to give away the punchline. But one of my favorite books is called Earth by David Brin, and um, it has some similar themes to it as you're talking about how we get so wrapped up in our little stuff and actually we're just kind of completely insignificant and you know basically the rest of the universe really doesn't care but um 
I, I, I need to go back and reread that book because it was one of those things that I read it a long time ago, actually. And it, maybe it was just the time that I read it, you know, whether my age or what was going on in the world around me. I was just, I, I kept reading it, jaw dropping, going, oh my God. And then over the years since I've read it, watching it essentially play out. You know, the whole part of one of the things it deals with in there is the whole surveillance society. And I'm like, uh uh-huh. every time something, but he talks about, you know, cameras and the NSA, and I was like, man, I've heard this before somewhere, and I know exactly where. Yeah. Um, so if you're not familiar with uh, David Brin, too, he's the author. He is a rocket scientist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he worked for NASA and then became an author. Um, so he has an interesting insider's view of a lot of things I think so good stuff alright that's two on my to-do list yeah I know (laughs) so the next on my list was Blade Runner Um, yeah enough said (laughs) yeah I was for for Star Trek Star Wars and then Blade Runner I for those ones that I, I you know I like all three of those but I was really picking ones that I thought were kind of uh, either socially significant movies like Star Wars really kind of showed that you can, you know, that you could make a movie like Gone with the Wind only do it as sci-fi. Like it's this epic story, epic sci-fi story. And uh, I, I, I honestly think that without Star Wars, as uh, I'm sure some other movie would have come along, but but Star Wars really kind of uh, started, you know, the big blockbuster sci-fi movies that we have today. And Blade Runner. To me, that's showing that sci-fi can be done as uh, as art, uh, kind of like a continuation of uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, and uh, like I, I think Ridley Scott as a director is, you know, I would put him right up there with Hitchcock or anybody else. Like I think he's one of the most, you know, I like almost pretty much all of his movies. I think he's. He's a brilliant storyteller. His, visual, his stuff is visually stunning, and and I think a guy like Ridley Scott, you don't get the the movie Blade Runner with any other director uh, other than Ridley Scott. Like you don't get that the visuals, and I think he's also uh, you know good enough to what to let actors do their thing and to get that scene with uh, Rutger Hauer, that whole which. Which they say is like the the you know the best um, improvised line in movie history. That whole you know that our lives are going to you know go like tears in the rain, like that's that whole scene where he's dying and his whole speech like that's just amazing. Yeah, I yeah I do. so many of these. Uh, there's not enough time. I mean, I, I want I'd love to see these on an annual basis. You know, yeah. a person should see Blade Runner once a year. A person should see, <laughs> yeah. you know, a few episodes at the very least of Star Trek on a regular basis. Um, uh, anyway, so one of the a uh, couple of the guys that I work with were asking me like uh, if if they wanted to get into sci-fi. Um, they were talking books specifically. Um, so I recommended a couple books, but I said, you know, if you haven't seen Blade Runner, you know, yeah. <laughs> like the, the, you're missing out. The one thing about Blade Runner is it's a bis- bit dystopian. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's more than a bit dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it would be nice. I don't know if I would have that be, you know, if, if somebody asked me, I don't know if it would be the first thing I would recommend, but it might be a nice balance to, you know, some other sci-fi movies to, to show both sides. Yeah. Well, and for me, it also kind of ties back to what I said about the Alien franchise. I like stuff that kind of leaves questions up to you to decide. And certainly the ending of uh, Blade Runner really leaves it open as to, you know, what how that oh, ends. No right? kidding. So, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So and, and I, I love that kind of ending. Like I kind of get sick with, uh, you know, with a lot of. North American movies, where it's like <laughs> the plot is like a baseball bat that they just keep. Be- Did you get it yet? Yeah. Wham! Here it yeah. is. Here it is again. Oh, you, you, you sure you got it? Wham! 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 You know. Yep. Like just give me the stuff and let me figure it out, and you know, like I can come up with my own conclusions, and they might not be the same as somebody else's, and that's cool too. You know. Yep. So. Yeah. So, 
I was going to uh, before we started record. We said the top uh, that uh, I just do my f- top five and we go on. But my the sixth one that I have. I don't want to uh, pass on without commenting on this because my sixth is Firefly. Yeah. You know, like, I cannot, I think it is impossible for me to even think of Firefly without putting a smile on my face. Yep. Like, uh, I remember the, uh, I didn't watch Firefly until it had been off uh, probably about four or five years after it had been off the air and somebody uh, told me about it, and the first episode that I saw was the train robbery. So that was the second uh-huh. episode. Yep. And I think they sent me a lip uh, a link to a, a YouTube clip of the whole thing where Mal is having the conversation with the guys, and he's trying to give the stuff back, and he's like, "Okay, well, we're gonna get here's Niska's money. We'll give it back to him." And like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, we're we're all even. We didn't know what we were getting into, and that and then the guy has that big speech, like, you know, you keep the money and save it to buy a grave because I'm gonna, you know, kill you, and it goes on and on. And Mal just does that kind of sigh. <sighs> And then kicks him into the engine. Engine, yeah. <laughs> like, I love this move. This is fantastic. This is like, that's that kind of, you know, like, if I had to pick my favorite sci-fi hero, it'd be Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, he's kind of like hand solo with a little bit more of a sense of humor. Like, and, you know, I love it. Yeah. You know, there's so much... Uh, uh, in Firefly, to love like it's it's a great great thing, and and the you know the the people who uh, you know like it, it's 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 something that arouses a lot of emotion in people. Like if you like it, you like it a lot, right? Yep. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad that that's obviously on my list as well. It's probably one of the top. Well, it's certainly my top five. Absolutely, my top five. Probably <laughs> yeah. my top three. And that's one of the shows I, because of this uh, podcast, I started watching. And yeah, I do like it because you know I, I like shows that have good characters in them, and uh, and not just good storylines or good special effects either. And you have a good uh, cast of characters that you feel like are part of this kind of dysfunctional, disjointed type family unit that yeah. they fight, uh, but they eventually get along and they have each other's back uh, when they need it. Well, and it it really is an ensemble cast. Like, you know, most TV shows are really centered around one or two characters and then this kind of, you know, very much the co-stars or secondary characters where, like, I, I think in some ways Firefly is like WKRP in Cincinnati. There's no specific star like uh, there's some characters that get more, a little bit more time than others, but all of those characters are really important. And I always thought about WKRP and Cincinnati being like that, like that all of these characters are equally as important and they spe- usually spend as much time with them all. Like they all have, they all have interesting, they're all deep characters. They're, they're not like just a cardboard cutout of a character to support you know the main character and and firefly does have a bit of that social statement as well <laughs> several actually so there's there's the moral to the story too and you know i have to i, I want to piggyback on, on what you're talking about here because as far as you know favorite movies go serenity kept popping up when i was trying to come up with my list and part of it was because firefly but part of it was too is it was uh, it was nice to have um, some of the loose ends tied up, and so yeah. you really Serenity really did kind of bring the moral to the story. Um, you know, if there was plenty of morals to the story in Firefly, but Serenity just kind of really capped it all off. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the the two definitely go together, and it's definitely the TV shows before the movie. If you if you're not familiar, the nice thing about Firefly and the not not so nice thing <laughs> is that you know it was cut short. So it, you know if you're going to do it in a binge session, it's totally doable to do in a weekend. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't want to monopolize everything. So, Mike, what are you? Uh, what's what's on your list? Well, you know, we said when we said we were going to put our favorites together. You start thinking, and like uh, I think we both said that uh, you know all these ideas keep popping up. I did kind of whittle it down to keep it down to, uh, 
you, you know, keep the list short here. And I got thinking, you know, what's, you know, it's not just what's your favorite, it's what's uh, influenced you and maybe the first, you know, your first love. Um, and, you know, we all had Star Trek. That was one of the first ones that I got introduced to because um, my brother is about 14 years older than me. So when he would come home from college, we would sit down and we'd watch Star Trek together. But one of the other things that he introduced me to uh, was Spider-Man, the, the comic book. And, you know, and I, uh, you know, because he liked it, I liked it. But then once I started reading it, you know, you got into it. And here you had, and, you know, I was uh, close or fairly close to the age of uh, Spider-Man, you know, because uh, Peter Parker was a teenager. And I wasn't maybe quite to a teenager yet, but I read him while I was growing up as uh, as a teenager. And, you know, this was one of the, uh, Marvel was pretty good about uh, having char- uh, heroes that were flawed. And Peter Parker was a, a teenager with all the angst and zits and, uh, you know, girlfriend troubles. And, uh, you know, he wasn't like Superman because I, you know, would read him too when I was growing up. And Superman was, you know, perfect and, you know, didn't have any problems, didn't have any flaws. And here was a superhero that was just as screwed up as the rest of us. Uh, and it made you feel you could relate to him a little bit better that, um, you know, it was you know it, there was a human being back behind here, not some you know godlike uh, creature, and like I say, that was uh, that's what really brought me to this. And the fact that you know he's kind of an accidental superhero, he gets bit by a spider and develops all these superpowers, and then he has to figure out what to do with them and what's his responsibilities and what's his um, you know, what's he required to do, what does he need to do, and you know he had uh, his um, parents were dead and his uncle got killed and it was just him and his uh, aunt. Oh shoot forgot what his aunt's name was but you know they were all living aunt together may. aunt may there we go yeah. uh and so like i say this uh, so that was like one of my first loves was um uh, was spider-man that um you know that i could like i say you could feel like you could relate to him i you know i would piggyback batman for me i i was kind of a a late comer to some of the comic book heroes and stuff but you know the the heath ledger joker sealed the deal for me that was an amazing amazing movie batman movies have been everything from awful to totally amazing so but the the character batman it's kind of like you were describing with spider-man being human and flawed and you know yeah and the batman series is one of those that's kind of ran the gamut you had campy with uh um the the original tv series um with burt ward and uh yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all having a simultaneous brain fart. There we go. Thank yes. you. <laughs> they were campy. Then you had the more serious ones, and you know they've kind of run the gamut. So that's been a you know a series that. But yeah, it, it's the same kind of series. A guy with a you know a, a, a troubled past or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like I say, so that was kind of like my first, uh, you know, the, one of my first loves here. And then the the other one here is um, the Barsoon the. Uh, uh, John Carter books that uh, of Edgar Rice Burroughs because again growing up in the farm wasn't a lot to do and we had all these old books on the back staircase and there was a bunch of the uh, the John Carter books there and there was also a bunch of Tarzan books and Pellucidor books but yeah you know, I just kind of settled on John Carter because again it's sort of uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Star Wars didn't uh, draw a little inspiration from these books because you had the you know John Carter you had Dejah Thoris you had you know the 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 good guy and the girl and you know battling the evil people and, um, and it's just one of those that it kind of captured your imagination because it wasn't set on earth it was set in this planet far away so you know you know growing up on a boring farm you wanted to be transported someplace magical and you know inspiring and that kind of that kind of thing so it, it was one of those that really kind of first sparked my imagination and kind of got me you know thinking about science fiction and, and loving it so you know that was one of the ones that you know drew me in uh to the whole science fiction you know genre cool yeah yeah and then the third one i have on my list here is uh, number of the beast uh, that was written by Robert Heinlein, and I think I've kind of mentioned it when we were doing our our flying car episode. Um, but that one, um, that was one of those that kind of influenced my thinking because um, it dealt with you had a car that could travel what through what they called the six dimensions uh, of space and time. You had your, your three sp- uh, length, width, and you know. Um, height is your physical dimensions and you had your three dimensions of time which was uh, you know time then you could go uh, 
you know, you had the length. You could go backwards and forwards in time, but you could also go sideways, which then introduced the idea of alt, uh, alternate universes. Parallel universes, yeah. Yeah, and then and then they postulated in there, well, you know, what constitutes an alternate universe? Oh, this is the, where physics starts to make my head hurt, yes. Yeah, yeah and they, they did delve into a lot of that stuff, but they said, you know, what constitutes an alternate universe? So in the story, they end up going to the land of Oz because it was something that, you know, one of the people in the group had imagined. Well, if you could imagine it, does that not create an alternate universe? Um, so they were able to, you know, travel, like I say, sideways in time to all these different alternate universes where there was just different variations of some of them were different variations of what they had. They went to one universe where there was no letter J, just because. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but the, you know, it gets you to thinking about what uh, alternatives is there? Different, you know, versions of us out there, and what would it be in? No, and, Lord, please no. Trust me, <laughs> one of us is enough. Oh, yeah, probably more than enough sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing, too, I read this when I was like in my late teens, early 20s, and Robert Heinlein had some interesting ideas on uh, morals and, and sexuality. And basically, in that book, almost anything went. Um, so he kind of questioned, you know, what as a society, what do we think about, you know, sexuality? What do we think about, you know, what constitutes, you know, a marriage and, you know, and this kind of things. Um, but then Heinlein also had an interesting idea on moral code. He, and this is one of the things that influenced me, was he had kind of a dim view of uh, government and their ability to efficiently regulate human beings and you know the the course of human events he was more about personal responsibility and integrity and he and you go through and read a lot of his different books and he had different things about um even like we uh, saw it in starship troopers uh maybe not the movie uh no definitely not no. the movie no <laughs> but yeah if you read the book he had this thing about you know in order to be a citizen you had to serve in the military you had to actually participate in society if you didn't do that you didn't get to vote right. and also there was punishment um was swift and immediate and uh, fitted the crime so if you kill somebody uh you know they'd bring together a group of people they would compare the facts make sure you were guilty and then you were probably executed on the spot no long drawn out trials no legal maneuvering and the, the kind of the simplicity i don't know if that would actually work for us but the simplicity of it kind of appealed to me and you know the personal responsibility you are responsible for the things that you do i just saw a document well i've seen a few of the doctor documentaries on the uh, west memphis 3 i'm certainly glad, uh, i i certainly bet those guys are very happy that the uh, justice was not swift and immediate or they wouldn't have had the chance to ever been exonerated. <laughs> yeah, like I say, it's not a perfect system, but you know, there are times when you see people who you you know, you're almost certain that they are guilty of something, uh, and they just kinda seem to get away with it. You kinda there are times you kinda wish there was maybe a different system and you know, this it, it gives you something to think about. I'm not saying this is necessarily a good system or that would work for us, but um yeah, and like I say, it kind of feeds into the um, um, my. I have kind of a general mistrust of government. We need it for certain things, but I don't. Uh, I don't embrace the idea that government here is going to save us or is to you know going to take care of us. Um, and to kind of jump ahead on my list here, that's also kind of why I like the Foundation series of books by uh, Isaac Asimov, because um, that was about trying to predict the future by looking at a large group of people but there's also the the manipulations and stuff going on and what does the government is the government trying to you know manipulate us into a certain course of action or into a certain way of thinking uh it kind of makes you end up questioning the world around you and that may not always be healthy but um it does get you to question everything uh, that you see around you and you know are people trying to feed you a line of bs yeah well, questioning questioning authority is uh, is always a good thing. Yes, you know, don't buy everything hook, line, and sinker. Um, and then the last one I have on my list here, uh, it's kind of a new favorite. It's a TV show that's out now on the Fox Network called Almost Human, um, and that centers around uh, it stars um, oh Carl Urban. Carl Urban, yeah, yeah, from uh, the new Star Trek movies. 
And I think he was in that uh, Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. that movie that uh, Jeff and I... Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I couldn't tell because he wore the mask the whole time, but... <laughs> Like he was um, supposed to, not like Sylvester <laughs> Stallone did. Yeah, the the screen hogging uh, actor. Anyway, um, or narcissistic, whatever you want to call it. But basically, uh, Keith uh, Carl Urban <clears throat> is uh, John Kennex. Uh, he's a, a trouble detective. Uh, he um, and the the basic premise of the show is that uh, in 2048, uncontrollable evolution of science and technology has caused crime to rise to an astounding 400 percent. Uh, to combat this, the overwhelmed police force has implemented a new policy. Every human police officer is paired with a lifelike android. Well, uh, Kenex, uh, Carl Urban, has problems with androids. He doesn't want an android partner. So one of the, uh, the first one he has gets pushed out of a car and gets run over by a truck. So they, they pair him with one of these uh, uh, androids they call the crazy ones because they tried to imbue uh, these androids with feelings and emotions and thoughts, try to get them more human-like, thinking that they would make a better detective. Well, and they haven't gotten to the part describing why they went crazy. Um, but he's paired with him, and, you know, you start to see it becomes a, you know, kind of the cop buddy story, but you see this relationship start to build among them, and you know, that does kind of appeal to me. You do see the uh, the character development. You see the, uh, you know, the interrelation between them all, and plus it's got cool tech in there. A lot of the minority report style uh, tech of the projected screens and flying cars and uh, hover drones and everything like that. But So that's that's kind of become one of my uh, current favorites, and we'll kind of see where that goes. But um, it, it's doing good so far, and I, and I like it. So that's kind of my top five. And my sixth one that I think we're going to talk about next week is uh, going to be Quantum Leap. So I'm just going to tease that a little bit here. And like I say, if you really want to find out why we, uh, you know, why I like it and what we think of it, there's next week's next. episode on that one. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's see. Well, as far as my list goes, we've talked about several. Duh, Star Trek, top of the list. Easily, if I had to have only one sci-fi anything for forever, that would be it. Done. Um, but good news is I don't have to live with just that. There's plenty of other great stuff out there. Um, I mentioned the my probably favorite sci-fi book being Earth um, by David Brin. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's good. I, I, it, it does have kind of a punchline, so I hesitate to say too much about it. One of these days we'll have to do a show on it, but it's, a, it's not a small book, we'll put it that way. Um, it's a fairly easy book to read, though. Um, and I do have to give honorable mention on, on the book front to Forever War. That is a book that I had not even heard of, my bad, I understand that, uh, <laughs> before we started doing this show. And after having read it, it's one of those things that sticks in my head. And every now and then I'm just, you know, wandering around, boom, you know, the Forever War will just take over my thoughts and I'll be chewing on it for a while. So th- to me, that's one of the things that uh, marks a really good classic sci-fi something or other. Um, as far as movies go, uh, I, 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 Europa Report? I mean, this is brand new, but I am really a fan of that movie at this point. Um, it may wind up being one of my favorites as, as time goes on. It, it's, it truly, it, it does have a, it's kind of like you were talking about earlier where it doesn't explain absolutely everything. You know, there's a little bit of mystery there as far as what happens next and all that kind of stuff. And, and I absolutely love the way it was filmed as a, essentially a, a, a documentary. Um, uh, so it just, I, yeah, Europa Report. Um, but thinking farther back, I was trying to come up with some, some good sci-fi classics here that I, I, are my favorites. And Close Encounters of the Third Kind, perhaps? Um, the whole... Um, intri- you know, the, the whole, uh, it plays a little bit off the, the, you know, I've been abducted by aliens type of, of uh, hysteria, I guess, that was going on for the longest time, and perhaps still is in places. But it also kind of got you thinking, you know, what would it be like, and what would you do if you were the one that was asked to be go, you know, so it, it just, kind of that whole mind-bending, you know, if this was actually happening, what would it look like type of of story. Um, okay, TV shows, Star Trek, duh, um, but my second favorite, and very much on my short list, uh, it very, very much is on my short list, is Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. Uh, yeah. The you know the um, 
<sighs> the what was it? About two thousand, I guess, when it came out. So I don't uh, know how long ago. Maybe two thousand and five. Yeah, something like that. A few years back. Um, yeah. So it's one that's got plenty of twists and turns. It's got characters I can identify with. It's got overarching story. It's got hell of a punchline at the end. It's got massive confusion and drags your emotions out and makes you want to kill people and makes you want to you know give hugs to people and and what i mean i, I love battlestar galactica it this the, the difference between battlestar galactica and firefly is battlestar galactica is a month worth of weekend binging to get through it yeah. <laughs> so I, I do think that battlestar galactica um, I think they were writing to what was it like a twenty episode season? Yeah, they I totally think it w- made it up. I think it would have been better if they'd had like thirteen episode seasons, like Breaking Bad or something like that. Because it's it, I think it's a great series, but it's maybe one episode out of four is just kind of like, why is this here? Like this isn't advancing the main story. It's just kind of like filler, and uh, yeah, not that not not that those episodes were bad, but they didn't advance the main story. And I think it would have been a just a little bit tighter if they'd had a little, not a lot less, but like a few fewer episodes. Well, the the under looking back, you know, coming to it late and knowing the fact that they had no idea what they were doing, you know, there was no plan. They yeah. were just literally making it up as they go, and it's like, oh my god, we have another season. What should we do? I don't know. You know, the fact that it holds together at all is impressive to me. <laughs> and there are some really big arching stories, and there are little things in the beginning that you that make no sense, and you're wondering what they are, and they come around, and and you know, they're revisited later on. So you know, I, I'm not going to fault people who have to work under those conditions. So it's it's all good to me. I'm terrible that way. I if I like it, it's all good to me. Um, I have to put in another um, medium that we haven't talked about so far, and that's the short story, because I've had a couple that have stuck with me for eternity, and um, it's amazing what you know a few, few pages can do as far as developing a story and, and making it stick. And one of them is called The Fun They Had. And it was actually one of our very first episodes. We talked about it where uh, basically some some kids had uh, discovered a book. Um, And they talked about school. And wow, that was a strange concept. Um, and And what really struck me is a few years ago, I was actually in grad school for instructional design and technology. And that we were actually making the things, you know, our our we were learning to make the things that they were talking about in that book and i was just it was it was creepy almost <laughs> so kind of interesting um and then there's another story and i do not know the name of it and if anybody can identify this story from my poor description i will be eternally grateful but it was basically the story of a school class on like venus i believe it was and for some reason it rained there all the time and what the the very few things i remember about that story is that you know there was this whole anticipation that one day the the rain would part and the sun would come out and the and the teller of the story wound up getting locked in the closet um while that happened and you know it being a short story that was kind of the end of the story but it's it's left an impression on me ever since and and i really wish i could find it again um so i could you know find the details and find out how bad my memory is as far as what the actual story was but it also ties into it's it's related very much to the other short story that sticks with me for eternity as well as nightfall isaac asimov's nightfall and we've talked about that on the show as well um, right. Where you know there's only one night in a thousand years, and and how would you know society react if that happened? So, yeah, lots of good stuff in the science fiction world. I mean, if you're looking for something to do to occupy yourself during the cold weather, you know, pff, there's your list. <laughs> <laughs> and given the weather, I don't know if any of us really want to go out too much right now. So it would be a good time to snuggle under a cover and you know watch yeah. a movie or read a good book. <laughs> I actually, while we were recording, got both text messages, a, an email, and a voicemail message saying work is called off tomorrow. <laughs> so, it, this has been the craziest couple of weeks between you guys with your train fires in uh, the Dakotas there, and me with like ice storms in yep. southern Ontario and uh, yep. frigidly cold weather for you guys. And, yeah, yeah. wow. 
It's It's been a little crazy. How about on a positive note? One of the things we did get accomplished while we were away the last couple of weeks is we did get to test out a couple of things, and we are definitely... Have, I think we've sorted out how we can do live streaming with a chat room for future episodes. So look for that coming soon. You know, we, yeah. we, we all have to, like, put pants on then. So that's probably <laughs> the biggest hang-up at this point. But I think the technology-wise, we've got it figured out. So, yay. Oh, and I'd like to uh, say hi to, uh, I believe we've picked up some new listeners because I've noticed I've had a few more uh, just random people started following me on Twitter. So I'd like to say hello to any new listeners that we have. And I should give a shout out to, well, we've had an avid listener give us some um, some great tips, actually, um, by email. So thank you for that. But I also should give a shout out for Roy Mather, I think his name is pronounced. Um, we've had several conversations on um, Twitter about episodes. So hi, Roy. Yeah, that's uh, Roy's Rocket Radio podcast, isn't yep. it? Yep. Uh, I've been listening to him, and yeah, so uh, he shares a lot of his thoughts on science fiction and you know a lot of different things like that. And so, uh, you know, he's got a pretty good podcast there. In the fact that we got a little interaction going back and forth, uh, yeah, it is kind of exciting that you know that people listen to us. And you know, and if you guys have any suggestions of stuff that you would like for us to do, you know, you know, please suggest it because I thought that that you know the Ghost in the Shell movie. Um, was an interesting one. That was one that was suggested. Just by being on this podcast, I'd mentioned I'd come in contact with stories I normally wouldn't have had. So it would be nice to hear from you people. What kind of stories, you know, what would be your favorites that you would like to have? If we were to compile a listener uh, list of uh, favorite stories, what would you have on there? I'd, I'd just like to say it's worth subscribing to Roy's Rocket Radio just for that, uh, for his cover art. That is the coolest <laughs> ever. <laughs> Hey, and if people want to send in like short little, you know, 30 second, one minute um, of their own lists of favorites or, you know, just their favorite one or two, um, hey, we're game. We'll throw them on here as well. So if you've, if you've got something you want to share, you can send it in an email or you can do an MP3 recording and send it our way and, and we'd be gamed for uh, putting it on. All right, so does anybody have anything else to wrap up on? Okay, i got to give special mention to those two, but I'm just going to mention them. The Matrix and Minority Report, they're yes. on their list too. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm sure uh, we probably don't need to go into detail because we'll, I'm sure we'll have eventually get to those. I also, I guess we could actually mention some of our also-rans. I had a few other on my list. I had... Uh, the Cross Time Engineer, which is a series of books by Leo Frankowski, which uh, I'll have to get you guys to read at least the uh, the first one, which is called The Cross Time Engineer. And uh, Leo Frankowski was a very interesting guy. He had some very uh, uh, negative images about uh, how the Catholic Church worked and about women's place in society, but I still think he, he wrote a very interesting uh, story. The idea is that... Uh, uh, Leo Frankowski was, uh, I believe he was a chemical engineer, and uh, the story is more or less with, uh, with the walk-around, the premises, with the walk-around knowledge that he had as an engineer, what would he do if he was sent back in time to medieval Poland? Mm. So it's just kind of like, uh, you know, because some of the things he comes across is like, uh, you know, okay, I know how to build a gun. But I don't know how to make gunpowder. I know the things that are in it, but I don't know how to get. To like, I don't know them. how to. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to get saltpeter. And you know, like he. So it, it's. It really puts a light on how much we take for granted today. Yeah. Uh, how much we're interdependent on that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I also had uh, Frankenstein on my list, and I don't know if anybody else mentioned, but I had 1984. Uh, <sighs> Probably the darkest thing we've uh, right, today. and I should also put a shout out for Fahrenheit 451. That's uh, yeah. that's on there too. Yeah. Okay, it's, we it's, could go on all night. We yeah. need to wrap this up. Okay, so <laughs> let me uh, wrap this up. So that wraps up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com, uh, where there's some cool space junk available for purchase. I know I bought some T-shirts for Christmas and gave them to my uh, kids. 
Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to Sci-Fi Tech Talk at gmail.com and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Julie, where can people get a hold of you? Well, you can find me outside with my stung t- tongue stuck to a flagpole slightly. <laughs> I but, think it's stuck right now. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Pfft. That's what happens at 40 Below Zero. Anyway, um, you can find me on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L, and links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on, which is plenty these days, um, is at about.me slash Julie Keel. And I need to update that. <laughs> okay, and Mike, where can people get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, maybe not so much as I have been in a while. I need to kind of jumpstart that again. But I'm on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have an about.me page with uh, the other stuff that I do on there at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M C P E E K. And people can follow me on Twitter at Bronco Sire, S Y E R. And that's it for this show. We will see you in the future. Where do you want to It's the sci-fi tech talk.